she is one of the world's great violinists, the queen of the violin, according to the Times of London, one of the best of all time, says Gramophone magazine, up there with Yehudi Menuhin and Yasha Heifetz and Lisa Biatashvili. And Anne-Sophie Mutter can also turn her hand to music outside the classical realms. Here she is tackling Snowy Owl music, Hedvig's theme from Harry Potter. And Sophie Mutter has won four Grammy Awards, dozens of other major music prizes, including the Polar, which is kind of music's equivalent of a Nobel. She plays, needless to say, in great halls with the famous orchestras, but her feet are firmly on the ground uh, as well as on the stage. There are many benefit concerts for the charities she supports. She's president of the Cancer Aid Society in Germany, and her own money is channeled into a foundation that develops the careers of young musicians. And Sophie started on the violin at age five. She debuted with the Berlin Philharmonic at age 14 under Herbert von Karajan, who had a huge work ethic, and she's the same. Major composers write for her, and she champions new music as, play, uh, as well as playing the classical repertoire on 50 albums so far. She owns two Stradivarius violins and plays with one of them, the Lord Dunraven Stradivarius of 1710. Now she's about to debut this coming week in Auckland and Wellington with the NZSO, playing the music of John Williams, who of course is the composer of the scores for Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter and E.T. There'll be some of that music and also Williams's second violin concerto that he wrote for her. And that arrangement, pardon the pun, is how we'll begin. And Sophie Mutter, hello. Hello, hello. Very, very uh, nice to talk to you, Jim. You too. You sent John Williams German gingerbread for Christmas one year. And what was the result of that, please? Can you tell us? You know, in hindsight, it looks as if I purposefully tried to bribe the great master, which First of all, was not my intention, and secondly, I mean, give me a break with gingerbreads. Um, I had met the great master some uh, 11 years ago in person um, at the Tanglewood Festival, um, and I was actually overcoming my shyness at that very moment and asked him if possibly he could consider one day writing a few bars, which he pretty much straight away turned down explaining that he was in the middle of yet another film with Mr. Spielberg and so on and so forth. So we had a wonderful evening together and all was very nice. And, of course, I kept on dreaming. I am a passionate dreamer. And so came Christmas and I thought, oh, he might enjoy, because I'm enjoying German gingerbread. He might enjoy it as well. And, you know, I sent him a Christmas card and the gingerbread. And back came to my incredible amazement, which shows what a generous and gentle and wonderful man he is. <laughs> A long letter, um, you know, pointing out that he felt obliged now uh, with that many wonderful gingerbread cookies to write one bar of music for every gingerbread. 
<laughs> uh, I was totally speechless. And there came about Markings, which uh, was premiered, I think it was in 2017 in Boston. It's a beautiful piece for chamber orchestra and harp and violin. Yeah. And and we kept, you know, in, in a musical dialogue. And um, in 2019, we, um, we, we met up again for a extensive rehearsal period um, at the studios. I mean, I've worked with other great composers, but John William is not only a genius, but he is so passionate about every little detail, the length of an ending note. Um, uh, also, Boeings, you know, we were discussing Boeings. When does, you know, a string player discuss Boeings with either the conductor or the composer? It was a revelation, and I learned so much. Then we went into the studio a few months later, that it was in April 2019, and recorded our first album of um, film themes, which is called Across the Stars, and which also, of course, is going to be one of the pieces we are performing in New Zealand. Yes. And then COVID hit, and suddenly, um, yeah, suddenly it seemed as if um, the violin concerto could come about, and it actually did. The, my great amazement. <laughs> the lesson I take out of all this is send gingerbread to a composer. Uh, does it have to be no. German gingerbread? What's so special about your gingerbread? I have no idea. That we have to ask John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is one of the great composers I've heard you say whose greatness is deceptive. We hear the well-known themes and they sound simple enough, but they're not. Yes, absolutely correct. Um, if you take Hedwig, you know, which is such a such a beautiful theme, and you take the treatment he did for the violin of this film theme with its, I kid you not, 12-tonal um, cadenza in the middle, it is extremely virtuosic. It is so skillfully um, orchestrated, colorful, but yet transparent enough to let the violin through whenever needed. And the the capacity he has to get to the most inner core of that particular figure in the film. If you take all of the light motifs he has used in the Star Wars saga, it is amazing that the Star Wars films have held up that well, um, particularly musically speaking, because he has invested so much thought and effort to illuminate every single character, if it's Anakin, if it's uh, Yoda, it is just amazing how he captures that element of personality, that physiognomy. Um, and obviously his music is perfectly fine, independent from the film, because it is absolute music. Anything he writes is absolute music. It only happens that it illuminates the film, but without the film, it's great. The film without John Williams is... <laughs> I've never thought about the fact that the music's lasted because a lot of the old film scores from earlier decades don't. They sound still lovely, but they sound old. And you're right, Star Wars doesn't. Hey, can I ask you about Hed Hedwig's theme? Because you've never read Harry Potter. You've never read Harry Potter, have you? No, but I, of course, I've seen all the films multiple times with my children. And I remember when I first stood next to John Williams in Vienna, of all places, and he gave his debut with the Vienna Philharmonic, and we played Hedwig, and my children were there. I almost cried, because I think every, 
parent can relate to what it means seeing such beautifully emotional and poetic films like the Harry Potters and uh, what it does to you as a family, how, how much it becomes the book, but then the books, but then also the films and obviously the music, how much that becomes part of the legacy of a family. And then you are playing it yourself. Your kids are there and you are standing next to the creator. That was definitely one of the great moments of my life. You in concert with John Williams playing Hedvig as well watched. A lot of people have seen it. And about four rows back from the front is a little girl watching you and she's quite enraptured and you have her full attention and I thought maybe she's like you were when you were young um yeah you know it is beautiful how impressionable we are as children and I remember um I remember the recordings we used to listen to at home in the Black Forest I grew up where Germany Switzerland and um France meet um and there was not much around other than meadows beautiful um landscape that's why i'm particularly looking forward coming to beautiful new zealand and wait to use my two and a half days off to the most a few things to ask you from what you've just said first of all in new zealand you're a great walker i think you're a great lover of the outdoors and you know you love putting on a jeans and a t-shirt uh yes there are great walks in new zealand depending on where, where you're going to be in those two and a half days off so and whether the weather's good but there are things to do here you'd probably like yeah, I, uh, yes, I, I will, um, you know, see the glacier of uh, Mount Cook. Oh, you're going there, yeah. Yeah, I will be in Queenstown, I will be on the lake, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm moving quite a bit around, um, a lot around, because um, New Zealand is vast, <laughs> and it's almost impossible to get anything into two and a half days. <laughs> But I'm trying, and I hope it will not be the last time. And I'm also hugely looking forward meeting a few uh, young colleagues. You know, the master class, which yeah. graciously has been put to a very late hour in the evening. I know this is not very friendly of my part, but on the other hand, I hope everybody understands. I'm so excited visiting New Zealand that I also want to see more than my dear musician colleagues, and uh, therefore my arrival is a little late. But I will be spending my musical hours with the greatest um, expectations and joy and passion. Speaking of the masterclass, uh, your foundation, which I, I know some of your own money flows into, how do you choose who to help? Where do you find these young musicians? Could one be in New Zealand that you just hear and think, I'd love to help you as well? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. My first scholar came uh, from Beijing, uh, Louis was 16 when I met him. He auditioned for me some 26 years ago, and I was totally blown over. So I invited him to come to Europe. He started with my teacher. He started in America. He started with me. He's now a concertmaster in Berlin. Um, so that was the beginning of the foundation. I mean, the sky's the limit. Uh, we have very limited funds, yes. We are a very small operation, yes. But I think we are a very powerful operation because it is all about... Um, personal um, attention and a very kind of um, specific, specifically tailored um, system around the musician. Uh, the musician might need an instrument, he might need the right teacher, anything is possible, but sadly I don't have a magic wand. So I, I would wish I could make record companies take 
some of my really fabulously gifted musicians. But there's no reason why a gifted musician who has an own viewpoint, an own voice, you know, think of the great musicians of the past and the present. It all starts with the sound production. A colors is irrepeatable. You will remember and recognize her amongst hundreds of other uh, musicians. Uh, her viewpoints on music, her, her intellectual um, insights, um, and the immediacy of her singing, I'm just taking her as an example, is something I very much admire and pretty much are looking for in any musician I meet. Um, the risk-taking, um, the inquisitive mind, the capacity to always question the solutions you might have thought you found, um, and also the understanding that you are the servant for the composer and that you have to try to be a useful member of society. You're a great exemplar yeah. yourself of everything you've just described. That was exactly you. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I really believe that music is probably the only meeting point where we can all feel the same side and strengthened uh, in the quest to bond instead of hate. Mm. Well, I've heard you say that you are lucky. You were talking about Roger Federer and you being able to use your talents doing what you love, enjoying yes. doing what you love so much. But at the same time, you said 400 million children in the world are living in hopeless environments. You have a big heart yourself, actually. Yes, uh, I mean, many of us have. Um, and I think everyone who has a little outlet should, you know, speak up and try to inspire others to um, to look around and in the measurements of your own life, try to look beyond. Of course, not everyone can look beyond uh, their daily bread uh, keeping, but the ones who can, you know... Um, we who live, and I'm speaking as a German, still uh, outside of a war zone, that already is a privilege. And we live in a democracy. Mm. We definitely have to fight um, to protect um, freedom of speech, to protect a free life. You know, democracy is not perfect, but it's definitely the only way where some kind of equilibrium between people is possible. And, um, yeah, and then we just have to, I just love sharing, you know, basically. <laughs> maybe, maybe not my plate of pasta. That's when <laughs> friendship ends. You know, with pasta, I'm very serious. But with the rest, I'm pretty open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie Mutter as well as, you're very stylish. Your glamour is often, often mentioned, but you're not that interested <laughs> in fashion, are you? You're not that interested in fashion. You, you wear clothes that are old but still smart, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I'm I'm constantly recycling my my concert dresses. I have recently recycled a dress which I bought when yeah some 40 years ago actually by Chanel. Um, I I love great quality and inventiveness, and I love handmade things. So embroidery, this is a great art. Um, and handmade things, no matter if it's pottery or a drawing or a dress. You know, they, they have an incredible value, and that value is not going to go away, and you can reuse it, retail it, re whatever. So, I do love <clears throat> um, skillful made things, including 
some uh, clothing, but I'm lesser interested in in fast fashion. Mm. That has never really, yeah, it's just not. I don't find it important. But, you know, you have to um, remember that I grew up in the Black Forest pretty much being a tomboy with two older brothers. So nothing was further from me back then than uh, hair, makeup, and, and clothing. You know, there was just a, a sense of trying to survive amongst all these boys. <laughs> and so, you know, for about 20 years of my life, I was fighting for my life. <laughs> Have you ever played A Walk in the Black Forest by uh, Horst, Horst Jankowski, I think it was? Do you know that piece of music? No. No, never heard about it. Ah. It was an instrument. When is that? It was an instrumental hit way back in the 1960s and very popular. No. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I just wondered if. Well, I, my other question is, have you ever wanted to walk into an Irish pub and get out your violin and join in or stop on the street and partner up with a busker? Actually, I have done uh, playing on the street, uh, but not necessarily Irish music. And one of my lesser, um, my lesser successful experiences was with the fabulous fiddler at Broadway in New York. And I actually... I was very curious, you know, to get to know his violin, and I went there and I asked him if I if I could look at his violin. And you know, mind you, he must have been a really great violinist because he plainly said, "No, absolutely not. Don't touch it." <laughs> <laughs> I would have said the same. So, but I felt a little thought, "Hello," and I explained, "I'm also playing the fiddle." No, no, no way. So. How much are your Stradivarius violins worth, please? And I know you must travel with the Lord Dunraven one. Yes. Yep. How do you, how do you, does it fly through the air? Oh, well, actually, I know it flew through the air once at a rehearsal, which scared you. Um, does it fly with you on the plane? Yes, of course. Yeah. Right. It flies with me on the plane, and it's you know very safe. And in any case, these instruments are registered so i mean there's just no way you can do anything with them yeah the great Anne sophie mutter is with us just a couple more things uh i was actually just a, apropos of what you said i was reminding myself of some of your performances online and among the comments someone wrote angels pick up their own instruments as she starts to play and that is a lovely description i thought Boy, <laughs> that's very beautiful. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? And that's not yet dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Musicians experience life more intensely. That's something else I've heard you discuss. I know you're a very mindful person, and you were, you were mindful, noticing a lot about the world before mindfulness became a thing. You kind of drink in the world around you, I think. But there's a price to pay for living life that intensely as well. I don't know how I would feel if I would be less sensitive to how people feel around me. and But maybe a certain kind of vulnerability, um, first of all, would be great for all of us. So we stay open and translucent for the pain of others to a certain degree, of course. Of course, you have to learn to, you know... Um, safeguard yourself. You cannot kill yourself in all your empathy. But on the other hand, for an artist, it seems to particularly it seems to be particularly important to be able to fully immerse yourself. Um, when you play the theme of Schindler's List, 
you know, for me as a German, this is particularly difficult and painful. And now seeing the rising anti-Semitism in my lifetime is just horrible, um, particularly with the past of my country. And, and playing Schindler's List is something which is extremely difficult for me. It's heart-wrenching, heart-breaking, but it's, that, that's supposed to be how it is. So you have to go through with it. I, I would hope that it's true um, that working with geniusly skilled master pieces and masters um, and knowing about their life, their struggles, what they went through, how they prevailed and how they, you know, sometimes also almost risked their life. Think of uh, Shostakovich, for example. Think of the great writers, you know. So many of these artists have really contributed to the evolution of uh, society and of course i don't do that because i'm not a really creative person but but being ready and capable to look around and feel and react to that is certainly something we should all foster in us i don't know how one of the great violinists can call herself a not very creative person i know you're beautifully modest but that seems taking it too far I'm I'm creative in the sense of trying to recreate the viewpoint on a specific piece of music. Yes, yes, of course, I am creative, but I'm not creating something new. But what makes me really happy, because it will be really meaningful for future generations, is that a few of the greatest violin concerti of the last 30 years have been written for me. And that's, that's I, I think... It's a great present for me personally, but it, if you look at the larger picture, it really is a huge present for the future generation of violinists. It's just wonderful. Like other violinists have left their presence, Heifetz and Oistrach, you know, with whom uh, we wouldn't have Korngold and Shostakovich and Prokofiev works and so on and so forth. So every generation of, you know, musicians has to try to um, attract the composer's attention send some uh, gingerbreads and see what happens. <laughs> um, just one more last thing um, for the audiences yep. who come to see you in New Zealand. Uh, back in 2019, you stopped in the middle of Beethoven's Violin Concerto with the Cincinnati Symphony to call out an audience member who was filming I you did? on her... Oh, yes. my God. And she tried to argue okay. with you. She had two mobiles. And uh, so she was filming constantly, and I made sign also because it's not... You know, the conductor and the orchestra isn't happy about that being filmed. It's illegal. And then she put one mobile down, but I could see that she had another mobile on her lap, which was still on. I do understand the excitement. Listen, I mean, when Fedora was playing, did I occasionally uh, record a clip of one or three seconds of his playing? Yeah, of course. You know, I took pictures, <laughs> of course, no flash. And I tried not, I always tried to be respectful and not disrupt his playing. And that's all I think we artists are asking for. Let us try to do magic and we need all your help and, you know, we all need to be in it together and we can take pictures forever when the concert is over. So it's a life you love. You love the tours, the hard work of the travel and new orchestras and maybe not the food you want all the time and the hotels. You don't mind that still? I have to tell you, I mean, flying out here is quite a schlep. It yeah. took me 30 hours, 30 yeah. hours, till I finally arrived at my destination. 
And um, that's why I'm so excited that I can visit Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, know. it's an easy flight so ever. At least, yeah, yeah. And uh, that I have a few days off. The flying part has become less fun post-COVID, also because traveling with instruments, uh, the climate is more and more hostile mm. um, against musicians. But, you know, it's it's wonderful meeting other musicians and sharing your experience in life um, and and the love for music and the love for the audience and the, the belief that we all can better the world. If we wouldn't believe in that, we would all stay home. Yeah, nicely said, and a nice ending. They say the beast is the the east is a beast when you're flying down to this part of the world. That's the, the <laughs> east. <laughs> east is a beast. I'm trying to tame it. <laughs> hey, good luck uh, with the um, thanks very much. The rest of your time in Australia. Looking forward to seeing you down here. Thanks so much for your time. Me too, hugely. Thanks for your time, Jim. Bye. Keep safe. Yeah, thanks. Bye bye.